Thanks to Erica for doing our gospel reading this weekend. So that's why people, when they're attending here in church, sit in the back third of the church. They're just following Jesus' words in today's gospel lesson, which is when you attend a feast, like the communion feast, which all of our services are, you should sit at a low place in the back, lest you be forced to move back because someone more spiritually important should have been in your forward location. So you're just being humble and sitting in back. I understand. So now, of course, when we do this service live, it's going to be very tempting for me to kind of wander towards the back and remind everyone that I am the host of the communion meal because I'm presiding this weekend. And, and to say, wow, if the, if the host invites you forward, it's a great honor. And so, of course, you need to come forward. Now, I'll, I'll lay that on people for maybe two seconds, but then I'll move past the pause because I think everybody does have their safe zone in church. I think for most people, it's in the back someplace. That's okay. And uh, if you're ever going to change it, it probably is going to be better if you voluntarily make a move as opposed to uh, someone inviting you forward and having all of that pressure. But we'll play around with that a little bit. And next time you're here in church, maybe give a little thought to, to risking the possibility of moving up just a little bit. We always like a little company here in the front of the sanctuary. You know Jesus is talking about something more important than where you sit in church. He's talking about two really important things. And as I, as I started working on the sermon this week, it occurred to me that it's going to be a little repetitious, both of my most recent sermons and I think of Sherry and Muriel's as well. And the reason is not that we have nothing else to talk about, but Jesus is repetitious. And Luke's gospel that we're following this year is repetitious because uh, together they are talking about things that are so important to life in general and to the life of faith in particular. And, and they, they just kind of keep coming back to it over and over again. And so these sermons keep coming back to it over and over again. Uh, it's important stuff. So let's listen in and see what Jesus is talking about this week. So you might recall that the basically the gospel has uh, two segments to it. The first one is that whole section about Jesus observes that the Pharisees are sitting in the seats of honor, and then he proceeds to say, when you show up at a banquet, don't do that. Take the low place, lest you start out at the high place and, and be asked to move down and be put to shame. Uh, and perhaps you will be honored by the host who will invite you forward. What's he talking about with all of that? Uh, the world that he spoke to and the one that we live in uh, is competitive and, and aggressive. And there certainly is a big part of the culture then and the culture that we're a part of that says the, the only way you get forward is if you push yourself forward. Nobody else is going to do that. That's part of how you climb the ladder. If you don't intentionally put yourself with the important decision makers, they will never notice you exist. So you've got to push yourself out there. So is Jesus against that? Is he against kind of assertiveness and confidence? I don't think he's against any of that. And when you think about it, Jesus is super assertive and super confident himself. So what's he getting at? Um, I think what he's getting at is the broad topic of humility versus pride, if those two are opposites. Humility is often misunderstood as not being assertive or not having confidence. Jesus clearly was. Uh, the difference between pride and humility is essentially um, how other people react to us. 
I think what Jesus is getting at when he talks about take the low place is um, if you come to a banquet, it's a gift already. You've been invited by someone. Uh, you were special enough to be included. Uh, they're going to feed you for free. It's, it's an awesome thing. So in other words, maybe what he's saying is we have a lot of gifts in our lives. So then how, how do we deal with them? Humility causes us to be thankful to God and to be thankful to the people who helped us get to where we're at. And, and because we have that mindset of gratitude and appreciation, we stay connected to other people. They can relate to us and we to them. And, and so humility creates a chain of connection, of people who can speak each other's language and, and be there for each other. If, if the opposite of humility is pride, then what does that mean? Pride has a tendency to forget to be appreciative or generous or thankful. And I think most of all, pride causes us to draw in on ourselves in our sense of accomplishment and worth. And increasingly then, we don't speak other people's language. Or, or they recognize that we're different, not as approachable as we once were. They don't want to hang out with somebody who's filled with pride. A little documentation for this was done by somebody who did a, a research project involving the game Monopoly. And they had 100 pairs of people play each other in Monopoly. And all they did was at the beginning of the game, each person rolled the dice. And whoever rolled the higher dice uh, got twice the amount of money to start the game. And every time they passed go, they got twice as much money as the other person. So totally by chance, they were suddenly rich. And so the question was, how would they react to that? Would there be a sense of humility? They would maybe play down a little bit, not acquire as many properties as they could because they knew they had all of this by, by chance anyway. Or would they kind of be filled up with it and, and kind of crush the other person? How did it turn out? In, in almost every instance, people went in the direction of kind of feeling self-impressed that they had so much money. They bought every property they could. And in assessing both their vocabulary and their body language, there was this sense of, for lack of a better word, superiority over this person who they were beating at the game of Monopoly, though their advantage was purely by chance. I don't think that would surprise Jesus. He constantly reminds us in the Gospels that when we acquire a lot of success or reputation or stuff, that's not bad. But if we're no longer people of gratitude, if we no longer recognize our connection to others, if we're no longer able to speak other people's language, in other words, when pride fills us up instead of humility, then we increasingly are cut off from others and unable to share our gifts with them. We talk all the time about how, at least in our culture, the higher the income level, the less people tend to give of themselves and of their money uh, to charitable causes. Uh, success can be so very isolating. Jesus wants us to be available to each other. So then that gets us to the second thing he talked about, which is, if you're going to throw a banquet, don't throw it for your relatives and your friends. They can thank you anyway and, and throw a banquet for you. Throw it for all the people who aren't in a position to thank you. 
What's, what's he actually saying there? Like, you can't have a birthday party for your kids? I mean, he's, he's not talking about that. He's exaggerating. Of course, you continue, can continue to invite people over. I, th I think it is his way of reminding us that you don't always have to reciprocate all of this stuff. It isn't a competition uh, to see who can invite who to the most parties. All he's saying, though, is, is uh, in the life of faith, you, you, you can't stop investing. And what you need to invest in is, is constantly making your circle bigger. Uh, when you think about it, when it comes to our relationships, it, it's literally true that if you're not making the circle bigger, it's going to get smaller because we just lose contact with people over time. And so sadly, investing in others is also a way of investing in ourselves and investing in the life of faith. But there are so many different ways of doing that. Um, it isn't all about you have to, you have, to have the biggest you know, uh, number of people on Facebook or something like that. I, but I think Jesus is just saying, wow, you know, if, if prayer is hard for you, um, you could work at prayer. Or, or maybe instead you'd, you'd work at, at um, being a part of something like a worship service like this. Um, if, if serving others is hard for you, maybe one of the reasons for that is, is you, you, you should be putting energy into some introspection uh, to, to, to spend more time uh, uh, trusting yourself, uh, knowing yourself, um, being good to yourself. I mean, there are just a lot of different ways we, we have to um, uh, sometimes uh, broaden the circle. And, and other times, uh, almost start over within ourselves uh, so that we can reconnect to the world in, in the best of ways. Um, Jesus understands how easy it is to kind of get into a rut. And he's just praying for us to, to not get into the rut uh, of life. And, and there are a lot of different ways that can be solved. So in a way, this weekend's gospel lesson is, is filled with with goodness for us, because it says just, just stay humble, you know, stay connected to God and other people, and it will be so good for you and for others. And, and then while you're at it, uh, don't forget to keep uh, investing and trying, excelling at being my people. And that gets achieved in a lot of different ways, but it's not achieved when we stay in the, in the ruts that cause our circles to shrink and shrink and shrink. And so may we be blessed with an opportunity to um, uh, be reached out to by others, and every once in a while, we do the reaching out ourselves. Don't worry, I'm not coming to your house to make you sit in the front pew, but Jesus might actually do that sometime, and if he does, um, join the celebration. Hey.